another sunny fella, running amidst the trees. Who's there? I said as I stood in my head, and nobody answered me. This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Jay. Welcome again to the Fringeworthy Podcast. Thank you for joining us this week and every week as we bring you news of the other dimensions of the million, million worlds that are out there. This week, we are continuing our survey of exploring in the past, where we look at alternate worlds that are time-shifted that are in the period of time between the 5th century and the 11th century, and how you can explore those worlds and what adventures there are to have there. Tonight, uh, in addition to our guest hosts, Jay Haley and Robert Pulaski, John Ryer is going to tell us all about exploring the New World in the South and North Americas. John? Yes. Say you don't show up during a combat, but you're appearing maybe after a battle and they got these prisoners... And they decide, let's have a ball game. Mesoamerican ball games are these really weird things. In fact, it's kind of hard to describe, but if you ever watched the animated movie El Dorado, they have a ball game in there. And that's pretty much how they play the game. You, you cannot touch the ball with your hands, only with your hip or thighs. We have a copy of that uh, movie here. My niece really likes it. It's actually pretty good for look and feel of the area as of about, what, 1500 or so? All right around there? They're showing a classic mining uh, culture, which is which is 500, 680. Okay. Even though it's taking place during the 15th century. Well, it's a cartoon. Let's not yeah. ratchet them too hard. At least they got the Mayan culture right. Yeah. Uh, Mayan ball game, in fact, uh, actually, a Mesoamerican ball game is it's sort of like soccer, but you can't use your feet. You can only use your hips and your thighs and knock the balls around and try to knock them, knock them through a hole that's not much bigger than the ball is, and it's about six, seven feet up in the air. And these guys can do it. They can they do it for fun. Everyone does. Everyone plays ball games for fun. But they also do it for ceremony. But, and that's the nasty one. Basically, they have, when you do a ceremonial ball game, either the losers get sacrificed, or you're playing to win so you can get sacrificed. Not quite sure which one is which. I do think, though, it's the losers who get sacrificed, more more accurate version. So if you somehow get yourself put into a, a ball game that's ceremonial, uh, you better play to win. The trouble is, it's, it's sort of like me, Bruce, Jay, Robert, Richard, a few other people being challenged by any NBA team. we got to put together a team of guys like us to fight against guys like them. Yeah, no. It's going to be a slaughter. Yeah. Uh, 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 Unless the Harlem Globetrotters are suddenly fringeworthy, we're duped. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone in the Mayan culture yeah. challenged you to a ball game, there's probably more on the line than just who wins. Yeah. Uh, okay. Unlike other cultures that have this counting coup business going on, they're in it for real. Oh, yeah. 
typically use the God King that will be challenging you to it, not anyone else. You know, if anyone else challenges you, it's going to probably be for, for fun. But if the God King decides to challenge you, see how good you are, uh, it's for all the beans. <laughs> now, that's where I would start putting the gas out on the field. Yeah. And me, me using the, uh, the nose filters or something. <laughs> Yeah, basically you have to cheat. Uh huh. <laughs> it's just too bad you can't cheat the way they cheated in that movie. Oh, they use an armadillo for a ball. An armadillo who liked them, yes. so he was able to alter his flight to go in the hole better for them. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. If you had there's, one of those pangorns. <laughs> yeah, they're sort the of like armadillos. The pangolins. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, they could do that same sort of thing. Yeah. Although, after the first time you kick him into the wall, I don't think the pangolisk is going to be on your side very much thereafter. Yeah. As players, you're going to be treated like royalty. They're going to look at you as being your royalty of some sort, because you have this vehicle. You have these weapons. You're special. You get to talk to the God King on a personal basis rather than some farmer. Just having the stuff you've got is going to make you special. That they get you in trouble, because the God King is going to want to know what you can do for me. What can you get get me? Can you get me more of those things you got? Those shiny things that shoots pellets at people really hard. That's not a bad thing. That's that's yeah. leverage, and and you're always going to need leverage. Yeah, but you have to consider. You know, are, do you do you want to be a gun runner to the Mayans, or teach them how to make gunpowder and make their own weapons? Would they be even able to, considering it's fifth to eleventh century? Would they even be able to grasp how to go about making gunpowder? Oh, gunpowder oh. just is a, is a simple, incredibly simple chemical process. It's the 11th century for them. It's the 21st century for the PCs. The problem is there's one part of the formula that wants uric crystals to get some sort of acid process out of, isn't there? I don't know if they have animals or people willing to to do that to well, to get that end of it. They, the rest they, of it is yeah. coal and no. sulfur. Well, no, charcoal. Actually, charcoal yep. is actually better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Charcoal, nitrites, and sulfur. and sulfur. The nitrites you get from manure piles. Yep. Yep. Okay. Sulfur. They, there's volcanoes all through the area. That's where you get sulfur from. No, the question is, do you want to? I mean, because these guys are in the future. If everything goes the same as it did on the or on the prime, going to get exterminated by uh, Western diseases, and then complete that the survivors will be massively oppressed by uh, colonists. Now, if they have guns, they'll be able to fight back harder. But these are people who are breaking people over the head with bats and taking them up to the top of pyramids and yanking their hearts out. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be able to fight against disease with those guns, so it wouldn't no. make any difference in that regard. Yeah. I think it would make sort of a difference in the end game. They might be able to force a better settlement, a more solid homeland outside of the uh, European conquered areas. But yeah. space, and you've got... These conquistadors coming with what they had, what, matchlock pistols, maybe flintlock? Matchlocks. Matchlocks. And you've got these Mayans or, or these Mesoamerican cultures with 21st century automatic weapons. Only if you're continuing to supply them and support them, because there's no way they're going to be able to make any of that stuff on their own. Well, yeah, yeah. But guys, this is never going to happen. Oh. There's never there's never going to be a couple hundred years from now any of those things are going to happen because they're being contacted by people off the fringe pass. You think there's not going to be further contact? You think that this as more people more people it's, become fringe worthy and stuff, they're not going to be developing these worlds? It's gonna it's gonna respin everything that ever happens on that world. So 
Right. Yeah. So don't, there's no prime directive here. If you can live with the fact that you are arming one group against another, then that's fine. And I can even tell you an example where it will go completely opposite of what you might think. In one of the adventures that I ran, they went through and they got captured by the natives. And the natives didn't like another group. And they said, oh, give us more of these shiny weapons of yours. And they said, all right, we will. They went back to Ident and they said, okay, how do we keep this from becoming a problem? And the, and the people at Ident says, well, tell you what, we'll give you weapons, but we'll corrode them. We'll age the materials inside of them so that they'll start becoming dis, uh, defective. Or they won't work all the time, you know, or they'll wear out within a fairly short period of time. Or we'll put a slow-working acid on them that'll start eating through the mechanism. And so they may last a year, maybe a year and a half under good conditions, which this is not going to be good conditions. And then they'll be gone. You'll be out of there and you'll give them what they wanted in this case, in order to get their people who they were, you know, rescuing. And they said, okay, that's great. And then they said, well, while we're doing that, we might as well give them body armor. So they go in there and they give them these weapons. Now, these people are natives. They don't know, really know how to shoot guns, all right? But they, they think they're really great. They're going to try to use them. And they put on the body armor because everyone shows them, well, you put the body armor on, the guns don't work against you. And they're like, oh, great. And so they put on the body armor and they grab the weapons. They run into battle. And they try shooting them and the guns don't work the way they expect them to. They're still working properly, but they're just not familiar with them. They throw the guns down. They pick up their bows and arrows and their, and their tomahawks and they proceed to run up against the other group and annihilate them because every weapon the other group has can't get through their body armor. Their offensive ability was not changed except for the fact is that they couldn't be harmed anymore because their defensive ability had gone up. Nobody thought that body armor was going to be important. Everyone was saying, well, we give body armor. That's just a defensive thing. That's not going to make any difference. He says, we just can't get, we just don't want to give them guns. And it turned out it was the body armor that made all the difference. Now, the body armor, was that like a bulletproof vest and things? Because yeah. you could still kill somebody pretty good by slicing their legs. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, you know, but the fact is that they were okay, actually up against people that were using, you know, projectile weapons primarily, and their their armor was designed to, you know, against that. Yeah. They had the inserts, ceramic inserts and things like that, so. Um, I, I know one archer who would disagree with you. Yeah, Kevlar, it's great against bullets. The I, 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 I studied criminal justice for three years when I went to college, and what they did is that, no, you get stabbed while wearing a Kevlar vest, it will most likely go through. Yeah. I thought they'd taken to laminating the Kevlar down with some sort of resin in there to keep it from separating. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I yeah. went to college also 20 years ago, so that might have right. been a great since yeah. then. So did, 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 you, did you not hear me mention the ceramic plates? Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, that's, that's going to be pretty good against a lot of those other types of weapons. And keep in mind the fact that these people are not used to fighting people who are wearing body armor. Right, I mean, so you hit, them, you hit them on their strange black vest and it just bounces off, and while you're going, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen, he kills you. Right. Of course, we, knowing that our opponents are wearing body armor with ceramic plates in them, we know where the joints are, so we know where to stab them so that you know, we can get by them. But people who are unfamiliar with body armor are, are going to go for, the, the obviously, the big where the heart is, where the lung is, you know, where the liver is, and if you put a plate right there, ah, it's not going to hit. It also depends on your game system, too. A lot of game systems, you have a body, and there's no parts unless you want to play with special rules. You know, you're just doing body blows, and it doesn't matter. 
when I was doing this, I was using a, a specific body chart. So we could you, they could do it, but they just didn't know. The smarter ones just went straight for the face, in which case they were completely effective because they weren't hitting any of the armor. But it made one side of the battle so much overbalanced, it was a slaughter. And they hardly used the weapons at all that, that they were threatening the lives of the team members in order to get. Turned out that they, they couldn't use them because they just... This thing was bucking in their hands. They don't know how to deal with something like that. They've never had yeah. experience. When you're fighting, you don't want to be in the middle of a learning process in the middle of that. You want to go for what you know real quick. Right. Yeah. But it looked so good when they were in the hands of the of the player characters who had had many months of training with those weapons and saw what they could do with them. They were like, wow, we got to get some of that. Of course, we're a gun culture, so we think about guns. But gunpowder is also good for things like bombs. Now, clay pot grenades, they work quite well. <laughs> yeah, the ceramics would make really ugly uh, shrapnel, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, oh. Also, take a tip of the hat from the Chinese. Their first firearms, they had a thing called fire lance. It was a big Roman candle they would use in close combat. <laughs> and then they started putting rocks in it. And they started realizing, hey... Let's put one rock in there and see what happens. Hey, this is a neat thing. Let me make out something stronger than bamboo because it only works like two or three times. You're listening to the Fringeworthy Podcast. John, we're talking a lot about weapons and armor. Yeah. What kind of plots can you put in there? What kind of conflicts can you have the PC solve? What kind of stories are there to tell? Since there's always a sacrifice going on at some time, the players may decide that it may want to stop a a human sacrifice from happening. You know, maybe they make friends with somebody and they realize, wait a this person's up now for being sacrificed and we want to stop that. You know, that could be one plot. Let's say with a bunch of people and they're about to be sacrificed and one of them has to be the uh, crown prince of another tribe. Yep. And you rescue this guy, and you guys escape back to his village. What happens when you get there? Oh, my. well, first off, it'll be a big feast. And then he'll want to know, can you get me what you use to get me out of this mess? Or, or is he going to sacrifice you to the gods in thankfulness? Uh, no, he probably won't do that. No. Oh, good. Good. I, I was about wondering s- about that. No, Talk no. about <laughs> stabbing the hand that feeds you. No, but he will, yeah. he, he, but he will owe you. Um, and it's a blood debt. Do we have any knowledge about any of the Incan Holy of Holies, any of our religious icons or, or artifacts like this? Do they have uh, relics? Well, actually, the, the Incans did. But unfortunately, the Incans are you know, a bit after this period, but we will talk about them anyway. They had sunstones. These are spe- very special stones that were constructed for the purpose of worshipping uh, the various uh, mountains and the sun. In fact, in Machu Picchu, there's one uh, example of a sunstone. And you first look at it, it's a rock. It's kind of flat on top, and it's got this little squarish knob on top. And you're going, well, what's this? It's a sunstone. It's, you know. And then when you look at it from the right angle and then look at the mountain behind it, it's the mountain behind it. it was, wow. Basically, they carved the rock right down to this little nubbin, but it's the mountain behind it. That's a secret thing. The conquistadors busted those suckers up when they could find them. You're listening to the Fringeworthy Podcast. Uh, let's flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. We've got some uh, fringe pirates coming through a portal. Oh, yeah. Okay? 
imagine that we're friend pirates. What is the first thing we're liable to see that's that's liable to be worth stealing? All the gold and jade. Where do these people have gold and jade? They were able to actually fill a room full of gold. One of these rooms. Who was it again who took on the Incans? Pizarro. Wasn't Pizarro actually the priest with the conquistadors? He was the one who decided to burn his boats so no one would leave. On after that was Pizarro, the priest. He also burned every piece of native writing that he could get his hands on. No, no, it was uh, Landis, I believe. Okay. The, uh, the monk. He was a Jesuit monk who decided, yeah. decided to get rid of every bit of Mayan writing. Yeah. So only three books survived. Yeah, but that's still past the time period we're talking about. Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah, well, uh, still, in the 5th to 11th century, there's gr- grounds for a live-action archaeology. If you're a French pirate going through, there's plenty of jade and gold. So people are just wearing it around? No, but it's, isn't it, it's in the various temples. It's in the temples, okay. And how am I going to know the temples standing outside? I'm seeing a bunch of brown people looking really surprised, and I'm seeing some stone buildings. Where's the temple? If you're in a Mayan city, the temples yeah. there are between 10 and 20 stories tall. Big ones over there. The big pyramids with the temples on top, with the okay. blood, with the blood traces going. Yeah, in fact, they're all painted bright red. So the big red mound has money at the top. Yeah. Okay, so that sets up the combat. Uh, John, why don't you go ahead and walk point on this and go ahead and shoot down all the uh, natives you see while we come right behind you. <laughs> what I would be doing is uh, I would be saying, okay, you guys go and and run up to the top of the mountain, uh, uh, up to the top of the the monument and, and take over the temple and you keep anybody from coming up and then one of you guys gets up on the roof and sets up the you know the the air hook you know the, the sky hook and i'll go and fly in and hook it and grab and drag all the gold up with me including yourselves of course if you're smart enough to hang on while i do this now running up the stairs is going to be a bit of a problem because the mayans love making stairs typical temple 365 steps okay yeah. We're going to want to schedule a couple of breaks while rushing the temple. <laughs> yeah, one of the guys that was one of my playtesters, he climbed Machu Picchu, and the next morning it was a chore just to get his legs out of the bed. Yeah. 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 It, it, you have to be extremely fit to do those stairs. Oh, yes. Or extremely greedy. Tikal, Caracal, oh, yeah. all these very tall temples and... And, he, and these mines would do these secrets every day. So, yeah, they got legs like iron. <sighs> yeah, well, you walk up the stairs, and then you let them know that you're here to take their gold. You don't run up the stairs. <laughs> well, people pointing, screaming, saying things that, even though the portal gave me their language, I'm not listening to anyway. Those are stupid pirates. Okay. The reason I call them stupid is that they're going to try to rush the thing, and that's when the mines decide, okay, these people are trying to kill us. Bring out the archers. If I'm going to do that, I'm going to shell the place, for crying out loud. I mean, yeah. they do have cannons and things like that. I'll shell them. I'll, I'll throw poison gas at them. And then I'll dig the gold out of the rubble. And I'll have the natives that survive do the digging for me. Yeah, I mean, come on. If you're a pirate, you're not squeamish or anything you, you, like that. You roll out in a mobile howitzer and yell, hello, say hello to my little friend. Yeah. Right. All the French pirates I've ever had in the game started off with a 22 millimeter cannon. Really? And then when they brought the big weapon platform out in the battle against Hatsumi Base, it was a good 30-foot-wide tracked vehicle, and it just shelled through the portal like crazy. Anybody who was in the dome just died from the overpressure. They they were nasty. Yeah. Because that's the violent way of doing it. The smart way is you go to some alternate where you know you can't take on them and just get a bunch of 
aluminum pots and pans and trade them for the gold. Because you know what? They can't make aluminum, and this stuff is really light, but really strong, stronger than any other weapons. In fact, you can just go buy some cheap knives, and you can probably trade for a lot of the gold. I'm the stupid pirate. Bruce is the violent pirate. John is the commercial pirate. <laughs> John has is the pirate with much more patience than most pirates show. But that's okay. I like smart pirates. I'm good with that. Oh, yeah. it, it, it does make the cleanup a lot uh, a lot nicer, and they won't be as unhappy to see you coming next time. And you know, when you come back next time, they'll have even more gold because they'll have these weapons that no one else can actually make, and they'll have captured so much so much so much more stuff. That now you can actually get more gold off of them than they had in the first place. So you're farming gold. Yeah. It's a rare, rare pirate who thinks about repeat customers, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, that's the old saying. You can only steal from a dead man once. They're going to make it where they can come back and hit them again and again if they're smart pirates. Bruce is not so smart pirate because he's killing them. No, a, a smart pirate, I think we mentioned this in our pirate episode, a smart pirate doesn't kill the goose. He's just somebody that steals the eggs. In more, your case, you're more of a fringe Viking there, John. You're more of a trading where you can and raiding where it's easy. Yeah. Now, see, John, what I would say is that I'm creating a vacuum, and I know that, that other people are going to move into the vacuum because I've created it. So, therefore, when I come back, it's going to be replenished. Yep. And they're going to bring their gold with them. After all, they got to worship, right? You know, they got to show their offerings to their gods if they move in from another area. Humans, the ultimate renewable resource. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's a reason they call them minions. If you're in it for the money, modern day weapons would, would allow you to have the firepower of, of an entire tribe of warriors. But the thing is, now if you're up in, say, the Andes, you're fighting open country uh, with guys who know the terrain. If, if you're in the jungles of, of the Yucatan, you're fighting against guys who know the terrain. If these guys know that it's an all-out fight, not one of their ritualistic wars, they had a lot of stuff to work with. They're not going to make it fun for you. Yeah. The fringe pirates, they're not looking for a sustainable contact. One of the differences between fringe pirates and fringe-worthy people is an IDET. IDETs, they're building, you know, they're, they're building a bridge, and they want people to come back and forth across the bridge. And they don't mind people collect the toll on the bridge as long as they have free travel back and forth. You're absolutely right, John. My methodology is definitely for somebody who's doing slash and burn. Yeah. It's not for someone who's planning on creating a sustainable culture, a sustainable economic situation, mm-hmm. long-term plans. John's having long-term harvest of gold ideas here, yeah. which sounds right. pretty good to me. I, I, I joined John's crew for that one. Also, you got to remember, too, is where is the portal? If the Mayans have built a temple around the ring station, that's one thing. I would hate that. Yeah. But say buried in some uh, limestone cavern, which are, there are a lot down there, you may not be able to get that 20 millimeter cannon up, up up to the surface. Isn't there a sinkhole down there that's like so huge and has water in the bottom of it, and people do scuba diving expeditions down in that thing? No, that's out, That's in the uh, Caribbean, isn't it? Actually, that's also in the Yucatan. The place is riddled ah. with riddled with holes. Because remember, this used to be seafloor. It's all limestone. It's cave heaven in there. If the Termelon were going to put a portal in there and not necessarily want it to wind up in the middle of a temple, mm-hmm. they'd probably have picked a cave. Now, there's a problem with that. The Mayans use caves as temples. Because <laughs> that's the source to the underworld. When a Mayan died, he didn't go to heaven. He went to the underworld and started a new life down there. And they had temples in the underworld. And you know what? If you put one where it's easy to get to, the Mayans would find it. It I'm also thinking, means that if you have a group of people who are fringe-worthy from another world, 
possibly even uh, the descendants from some refugees from the Commonwealth War, they could easily have a complex in some of these caverns, and nobody would be the wiser if they were if they were careful about it. Mm-hmm. So here you are exploring and running into the natives, and the whole time they're watching you from a distance, taking notes and making their plans coolly and calculating against you. Uh, my image of the uh, rings from the planet side, that it's a metal ring floating in the air with no visible means of support. Yep. No force that normal people can get a hold of can really do anything to or impress unless they really impress it. Then that's bad. Yeah. There's two things they can do. One thing is that if they actually put stuff, pile stuff in front of it, then the, the, the ring stops working. I mean, it'll still turn, but I mean, it no longer can be used as a, as a means of transit. It would create a warp someplace else. But my point is that they can't scratch it, they can't cut it, they can't take right. a sample of this, of this metal, they, they can't, can't do anything it. to the actual ring. And so I'm thinking, yeah, that would tend to attract a temple. To people who, uh, mm-hmm. to people who otherwise had no way of, of coping with this, obviously this is a ring to some sort of heaven or, or afterlife or the underworld or something. Yeah, and this is and this is where things diverge then, because here you have a culture that has temples, has special temples underground to worship the gods of the underworld, the gods of death. And now they find this ring station, this portal. I, mean, I hate to say it, it looks like a portal. And this is a culture when you find them, they'll probably have all these ring motifs going on in their in their culture. Because yep. you got that thing down there. And when you step through, who are you? You're the gods of the underworld when you step through that ring. I don't know. I think their gods might resemble kind of happy teddy bear otter things. You might be the servants of the gods. <laughs> if there happens to be a ceremony going on at the time when you step through, you're the gods of the underworld at that point. And it doesn't matter what you want to do in the first place. That's what you are now. You're the gods of the underworld and expect to be feeded and treated like like there's no tomorrow. Because it probably won't be as soon as they find out you're not a god. Remember, Tamelaran come in every size and shape. We are Mm Tamelaran. We're an alternate of T-Prime. I I had uh, mentally uh, kind of pushed the Tamelaran into the Ur-Tamelaran type. They called that Tamelaran. I didn't call it Tamelaran very often, though. I had pushed that off there. I called those people Termelern, even though I understand that the primes are all alternate universes of basically the same starting place. I'm thinking Termelern Prime looks pretty different from Earth. It's not the same place at all. No, it's, it's so, not. It, well, I mean, it's, it's the same size. It's got the same basic atmosphere and, and gravity and stuff. It might be geologically different um, but the, as far the, as different continents. Different animals through an evolutionary track right, because right. things sure. happened in a slightly different way. I had been calling the people, the original creators of the uh, the Finch Pass system, the Termelern, and understanding that they kind of brought everybody up to a sort of standard of Termelernness with them when they created the uh, Commonwealth. Right. And you are absolutely correct. I mean, everybody does that. Everyone thinks of the Tamelern as Schmert, even though Schmert is actually from a non-T-prime world. And so Schmert is not representative of the Tamelern, actually. He's another guy. He is a Tamelern, but he's not from T-prime. Ah, okay. He's an alternate Tamelern. There were many alternate Tamelerns who decided to upkeep the portals and introduce humans into the fold, the Earth Prime humans, from what I understand. An Englishman who grows up in Zimbabwe and does nothing except drink tea and and has an English education and goes off to Yale for his education, 
he's still a T primer. <laughs> the Gestalt or, or the Zeitgeist of Tamellern Prime spread out through all those worlds, which is why they're the top dog. I was, I was thinking that there was kind of a core a zone around Tremellor and Prime where we'd have problems telling the difference because they'd been in contact for so long. Absolutely, yeah, sure. yeah. Uh-huh. Now that, they're gone. <laughs> that's kind of academic because we're way over on the far end of it and there was a big war between us and them. Not involving us and them, but a war happened that is now an obstacle for us fighting them. There's also the possibility that when you get the T-Prime platform, which is the size of a small moon, and you finally find the, the portal that takes you to T-Prime, you step onto a little platform floating in space because they've taken their planet someplace else. Yes. And left behind a, a little doorstep. And that's it. Oh, that's yeah, right. I remember they, that they did that. Well, yeah, of course they locked themselves away because not only the threat of the Miller, but also because a lot of people were not happy with them over the right. fact that this war even occurred. Exactly. So, they Ultimately, they're responsible for everything bad that happened because they created the races that caused the war. Yeah. Isn't it great to be an uplifter? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, talk about your yeah. white man's burden, right? Well, yeah. Except it's, fur, it's furry and uh, multicolored. But yeah, that's pretty much what I got for the Americas. We'll have a bunch of links. I know we didn't talk much about uh, the tribes of North America, but yeah, there you're dealing with the Plains Indians and... Um, you can pretty much, you know, use any standard Indian background for that because that's pretty much what's going on up there. In the end, it comes down to their people, and they have pretty much a lot of the same problems that you or I have, only altered by their culture and, and technology. You can have a lot of the same stories that we have, you know, in our culture, and a lot of the same similar adventures. Some of the other adventures, however, can be radically different because of their religion and their culture. So do your research. Look up the various Mayan gods. Look up some of their stories. Adapt them for the players. They're the ones now involved in this ancient Mayan story. They're the ones involved in this Incan story. And remember, in some of the worlds that you're going to, those Mayan gods are going to be real. Oh, yeah. And all of them are unpronounceable. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Huaxcapotl. Is is the Mayan volcano god? Gesundheit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they love these complicated names for themselves. They would call themselves Shield, Shield Jaguar, or Six Rabbit, things like that. Really simple names for themselves. Their gods had hell of names that you, you try to pronounce. <laughs> so if you want to pose as a god, you better come up with an elaborate name for yourself. Yeah, a Scrabble set thrown against the wall <laughs> <laughs> with extra X's and Y's. <laughs> So, until next week, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. And this is Blix. Remember, bullets speak louder than words. This is Jay. Keep it simple. The players are going to complicate it for you. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun.
recognize this license. No commercial distribution or derivative works are allowed. You must fully attribute this work to Tritech Games. This podcast is solely the property of Tritech Games Incorporated.